Isaiah 49, verses 14 through 16, and it says this, Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have not compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. And Zion here is a word that refers to Israel. It's a pronoun that's used for the nation of Israel referring to its future. Sometimes it's referring also to the body of Christ, the church. And so we see Zion here. We see the complaint. We see Israel is struggling with three feelings. And these feelings are abandonment being, number two, being forgotten. And number three, just surrounded by needs. Um, the Lord here in this chapter, and actually the first 13 verses of this chapter, chapter 49, is really talking about all that the Lord has done for Israel. All that God has done, all the blessings. And how many times have we talked to our kids about how much we have done for them, how much we've given them, you know, that we graciously gave them something that they didn't deserve or we gave them extra. And then they come around with this, with what this we see here in verse 14, but I feel forsaken. And I feel like I've been forgotten. And we see here in verses 14 through 23 and all the way to the end, up to the beginning of chapter 50, we see three things about the Lord's love. Number one, he's, compa he's comparing himself to a compassionate mother. Number two, in verses 24 through 26 of chapter 49, he's talking about himself as a courageous warrior. That's a description of God's love towards us. And then number three, uh, it's described in, in Isaiah 50, verses one through three, it's just being described that he is a compassionate, constant lover to us. And so Israel here is talking about three emotions, and these are emotions that we experience. Um, because it's Mother's Day, of course I think about my mom. My mom was just an amazing person with an amazing background. Sometimes you'll hear me talk about her. Um, she, uh, I don't know if, I don't know, I mean, maybe the Speedies remember her, but um, she was really a feisty person. She ran the show. She was really like an amazing woman and you just could not shake her when she believed something about something. And there was a time in our life when it wasn't going so well spiritually. But then some of us in our family started getting saved and then her husband, my dad, got saved and she began her walk with God. And I remember sometimes early in the morning coming downstairs uh, about five or so, and she's sitting at the breakfast table reading her Bible. Her Bible just looked like, you know, just every page was written up with so many notes. I have it, I have it in my house. I, when my mom passed away, we were going through all of her stuff, and I said, I want her Bible. <laughs> Give me that Bible. And it was just packed with notes, and I remember just seeing the Bible was, such, was everything for her. And when we think about, I think about my mom, I think about, um, her walk with God, her prayer for her family. When her family wasn't walking with God, she prayed over the family. She bore the burden. She dragged us all to church. Um, she got us into Sunday school. She got us into church. And I remember the weight, that, the load that she carried. Um, she grew up with an alcoholic father. And um, that really just, that does something to a young lady um, in, in many ways, but God healed her from so many things. And I remember when she passed, and I remember, not to make this sad, but um, I remember when she passed, and you know, like if you've had a loved one pass, there's just this tremendous amount of details that you have to do. 
It's unbelievable. You know, it, you could be so prepared, but then all of a sudden there's all of these things and you're dealing with grief at the same time. And I remember just kind of setting aside my grief and just kind of making all this. I was the oldest, I'm the oldest in the family among the siblings and just leading all of this. And, and I remember when we had, we were at the graveside and, you know, we, we, we said goodbye at the graveside and we were driving away. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, there's all this grief and joy because she was in heaven. That she was finally, she had tremendous, tremendous arthritic, arthritic pain. Unbelievable. And she would never, ever let anybody help her. Um, and I just remember driving away thinking I had this, uh, this amazing joy that she's in heaven dancing. She was part of the worship team back in our church in Maine when I was there. Yes, Maine. And um, she was just, she loved outreach. Oh my gosh, she was just all the time. She's out, she had her cane. She was just like doing outreach. And, and she would just go up to these really young people that just look incredibly intimidating. And she would just go up and love on them, talk to them. And we're like, mom, please, <laughs> don't embarrass us, okay? You know, we're like teenagers, but she loved outreach. She never missed it. And, um, and I remember as, we drove, as I drove away, my, my, my wife was in the car, Caleb wasn't with us yet, and my, her brother was there. And I just remember like just being hit. And I had to pull over, I was just a wreck. <laughs> and I was, not because of pity, but also just this joy, but also this, this sense of just abandonment. And I think that when, you know, in, our, in my case, you know, I wasn't abandoned, but we were abandoned in one sense, she wasn't with us, but all that she believed all that she loved, all the memories of her life, all her quirkiness and all the craziness, the funny things that she liked to do, actually became something very deep inside, very tender and very beautiful and very memorable. But I remember also feeling this sense of abandonment and I think that sometimes in our Christianity, because of the details of life, we can actually identify with Zion, with Israel and say, I feel abandoned. And when, you know, when we have the sense of abandonment, we have these feelings that can be a strong parallel to what an abandoned, a real abandoned child may feel. And that's number one, feeling unloved. I don't feel loved, that's what Israel is saying. I feel abandoned, I'm struggling with feelings of unlovability. Israel felt like that they were abandoned and that they weren't, that they weren't loved or that they were left behind. But number two is that this is a, a, a much more powerful, deeper meaning, uh, a feeling, and this is, uh, feeling forsaken and forgotten. I think that when there is a biological mother that loses her child or is adopted out because of a circumstance, no matter what kind of state that that biological mother is in that loses her kids, she never forgets about her child. She just never forgets, no matter what state she's in. And I've seen that happen. When we were going through the foster to adopt program, part of the program was just us my wife and I understanding how a biological mother feels when they lose their child for whatever reason and to have compassion on that person and, and to think about that person. And that's really a world right there of ministry of moms that lose their kids because of whatever happens. But here Israel is saying, we feel forgotten. Biological mom, whatever state she's in, she's never gonna forget her child. She's gonna remember her child on Mother's Day. She's gonna remember her child on her birthday. And so, but Israel's saying, I feel forgotten. And this is really, like, this is a radical thing that sometimes the devil will try to project at you that God has forgotten you. 
And then number three, when we, when, we, when we start living in that, and when we start living in that, not understanding our unity with God, and what I'm gonna talk about in a second here about the love of God for us is greater than a mother's love, then we start giving, we give, we start giving place to the needs and the tragedy around us overtakes us, and we don't know how to deal with it. And, and, um, and I think that sometimes psychological needs, companionship, these things that people go through can sometimes overwhelm someone. But what is, God, what is his response? And we see this in verse 15. God provides this answer. He gives a response, and then number, verse 16, he, he takes action, and then we see that God does something. And so verse 15, God provides an answer. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. A mother's love for her child is not just physical and emotional, it's unconditional, as we heard earlier. It raises the question, how indestructible is a mother's love? Yesterday, I was just kind of reading through some stories about the indestructible love of a mother, mama bear love, right? And this kind of love that, and I read three stories that were just incredible. One of them was that there was a mom, uh, she lived up near Hudson Bay in just north of Quebec, up in Canada, where there's polar bears. And she was out, her kids were out in the playground. She was a little bit off in the distance doing something. She hears her, she hears kids screaming and she turns around and there's this polar bear, 800 pound polar bear, no, 700 pound polar bear, eight feet tall, there sizing up her child, her little one. So she just goes right over there, right? And I thought, mama bear meets mama bear. <laughs> and she goes right over there, gets between her child and this seven to eight foot bear, which you never approach a polar bear, right? Like, that's not what you do. And she goes up and starts punching it, like starts boxing this bear and kicking it. And then the bear kind of just takes one swipe, knocks her down, jumps on her, and she's like doing this bicycle action with her legs and just kicking this bear, right? And this bear just kind of backs off, doesn't know what to do. Somebody, some, someone finally grabs a rifle and puts this bear down. And she goes to the hospital and she's like, there's no, she has no injury on her. She just has like some scratches and a black eye. And that mother was not gonna give up that child no matter what was gonna happen, no matter what that bear looked like. Now, if we see that with a human mother, how much more is God's love towards us? I read another story about a mother. On her first Mother's Day, there's a picture of her with her baby, and she said, I would go through fire for this baby. Right, right, moms? Would you do that? We would, you would. I say we, I'm not a mom, but you would. This mom, not too long after that, she was in her home, four o'clock in the morning, and the house caught on fire. She looks at, she wakes up, she looks at her bedroom door, there's a bright light behind it, there's fire, smoke. She literally runs through the fire, grabs her child. They're on the second story, which is about 18 feet um, from the ground, something like that. And she's holding her child out the window until the fire department can get there. The dog's passed out, and so, you know, and then there's a point where she couldn't, you know, the fire was right there, so she literally jumps out the window, 18 feet falls down, grabs her baby like this, lands on the barbecue, you know, thank God for barbecues, lands on that thing, bounces off of it, and then she positions herself to land on the ground on her back with the baby and with the infant in her hands. The, the infant was uninjured, she had a broken back. If moms would do that for the kids, how much more would God do for us? One more story, okay? A mom is giving birth to triplets, and 
one, you know, she's, she's by herself, and I don't know the whole story, but she's by herself. She has one of them already. Two more are on the way. She's in labor, and the first one stops breathing. So while she's waiting for the ambulance to come, she's doing mouth-to-mouth resuscitation to this little baby while she's giving birth to two more. That's indestructible love, isn't it? That's incredible. That's amazing. And how much more God would love us. I love this because when we understand this intense and indestructible love that God has, that a mother has, we can think about God's faithfulness. I love this. Somebody said this, God's very nature drives him powerfully towards you. He says, I'm a God of love and faithfulness. Like a helpless infant, we can give him nothing. And that's why this curious statement in the verses that we read goes like this, yet your walls are continually before me. You know what those walls are? Self-defense, stubbornness, I don't want to receive anything from you. I can do it myself. Or I don't believe that you're a good God. You know, when someone's really been torn up and hurt in their life, and, you, and they come into the body of Christ, and they just start experiencing the grace and the love of the church, you may find some really interesting reactions from them. It actually, you might get stiff-armed, right? You might get, you might get pushed back. You, you might actually, there may be some sharp words. Because people don't know what to do with grace. They don't know what to do with love. And that's why when God starts loving us, we put our walls up sometimes because we don't know, is this something I can trust or is this dangerous? Yet God's speech here, God's answer in verse 15 doesn't end here. This conversation is not a monologue because in the very end, it really convinces you and I that somebody loves you is not only talk, but there's action. And that's number three, verse 16. There's a beautiful metaphor here. That's incredible. It really touched me when I read this, that when God is saying these things, he's not just using words because we interpret love with action. In verse 16, the metaphor says, see, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. This refers to, and you know, the, 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 the readers, the audience in the time of Isaiah's day would very well understand what he's talking about because in the ancient days, it was sometimes that the name of a master might be tattooed on a servant's palm. Here, we see that the name of the servant was never tattooed on the master. We're seeing here that that would mean a master who's devoted to the servant. Isn't that beautiful? But it goes way beyond that here. It goes into this. It's not a tattoo, but it's engraved. It's not a tattoo that can be easily washed off or taken off, but it's here he says, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. The word engraved, and now think of this about the mother's love that, that Catherine talked about and that we heard from Marisol, that God puts this love inside for a child or for a spiritual child. I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. The word engraved here is a very specific Hebrew word which means to engrave with a hammer and a chisel. <laughs> Does that remind you of something, someone something that happened, that God said, I loved you with a love that cannot change. I have loved you that's indestructible. I love you with a love that would go through fire, that would jump out of a window. I would love you to face so much that I would face a monster to my, that could destroy my own, that could destroy me. This is the love of God, and this is what happened at the cross when Jesus allowed the Father through the hands of ungrateful men, sinners, and just demonic people to engrave his love on his, sand, on his hands through the, through the suffering and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. 
letting people take a hammer and a, and a, and a hammer and just drive a spike into his hands. It's unbelievable. And that's the, that, is the, that is the depth of the love of God. 